Hey there, what is going on? Well, apparently what's not going on is adequate sleep, which is affecting your time management. Those were the top two things when I polled my Instagram family this week. What are you struggling with? It was unanimous. Like those two things just kept coming in over and over and over again. What I want you to realize is there's been a time in the past where you've had more productive days and better sleep at night, which means you have what it takes. You probably even have the right tools. But because of all of the changes that have happened recently in all of our lives, it's probably disrupted those habits. Anytime, as I've mentioned before, there's any type of disruption to our habits, it's going to have an impact on us mentally, emotionally, physically. And if it impacts our sleep, it's going to have a big impact on our overall health. These are things you already have the tools. You have the know-how. We just need to hit the reset button. So today, what I'm bringing to you are the best experts, the best advice, and the best tips, my own practical tips and what exactly it is I've done to help reset my sleep. Because, ladies and gentlemen, sleep is crazy important. When we don't get good sleep, we wake up the next day feeling down on ourselves, feeling low energy. For some of us, we've just kind of ignored how much it's taken a toll on our mental well-being. And therefore, some things we've been doing to cope, which you may or may not realize it, are spending more time on social media, drinking more, exercising less, eating more processed foods. All of those things, including coffee, including anything that's caffeinated, is going to disrupt your sleep. So you take this crazy increase in the amount of stress that we're experiencing. You take the change in our schedule that has many of us staying up later and unfortunately waking up later, and it has disrupted our circadian rhythm. That impacts our energy, that impacts our ability to do things, to focus, to concentrate, which results in less efficiency, lower productivity, which results in us feeling negative thoughts about ourselves. And the problems then just become compounded. But you're in luck because you have the ability to establish new routines, to hit the reset button on your sleep and energy management. Today, I've put together the very best tips, experts, and advice that I can share with you to help you do exactly that. So let's get right to it. The first thing you have to understand is that sleep is is not something that's just like nice to have. It's absolutely necessary. It is critical to your health. You can live without food for quite a period of time. You can live without water for quite a period of time. You're not going to die if you don't go to the gym. You're not going to die if you live or sustain yourself on a diet of soda and cookies. But y'all, if you are sleep deprived, you are shortening your life. And in fact, if you go without sleep for too long, you'll die. Sleep is necessary. But don't take my word for it. Let's talk to the experts, those who've been studying this for years, dedicated their lives to it. Doctors like Dr. Michael Bruce, clinical psychologist and diplomat for the American Board of Sleep Medicine. Dr. Bruce is affectionately known as the sleep doctor. How important sleep could sleep really be? Because I'll sleep when I'm dead, right? Mm-hmm. And so my response is usually exactly the same, which is, well, that's going to happen a lot sooner mm-hmm. than you might 
imagine if you keep up the pace that you're going because we know that sleep deprivation affects immune function. We know that there is not an organ system or a disease state that is not affected by poor sleep. We know that your decision-making is greatly affected by your amount of sleep. We know that your moodiness and emotional reactivity is affected by your sleep. We know that your reaction time is affected by your sleep. I mean, there literally isn't a thing that you do that you can't do better with a good night's sleep. Can you teach me how to get eight hours of sleep in five hours? I can actually do it. Oh. But it's terribly unhealthy. Mm. If we determine how much sleep you really need, and by the way, not everybody needs the same amount. You know, let's just talk about the myth right here in that eight hours is a myth. When you look at how much sleep does somebody need, there's a few factors to think about. Okay. So first of all, the average sleep cycle is approximately 90 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And the average person has five of those sleep cycles. So if you take your socially determined wake up time, and everybody has one of those, by the way, in my house, we all get up at 630. And since 90 minute cycles, five of them is 450 minutes, divide that by 60 to get the number of hours, that's seven and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So if you count backwards from 630 by seven and a half hours, you now know that your bedtime should be 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Because most people don't know what their bedtime should be. And so a lot of people don't realize that there is a bedtime that's good for people. Now, we just disproved the myth of eight hours because 90 times five is 450, which is seven and a half hours. So we already know eight hours doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And then here's the kicker is some people don't have a 90-minute cycle. They have an 80-minute cycle or a 75-minute cycle. Uh Uh-huh. Me personally, I'm a six and a half hour sleeper. I have been almost my whole life. Ah. My body will naturally wake up around 630 in the morning. So I don't really go to bed before midnight because I just don't need that kind of sleep. So everybody out there can do this experiment themselves. Just count backwards from your socially determined wake up time Mm -hmm. and then see if that works for you. And then you'll start to figure it out. If you wake up an hour before your alarm clock, guess what? You went to bed an hour too early. Wow. Push, Push that number back. My standardized wake time is 6.30 a.m. And I'm really trying to stick to that. And mm-hmm. it, it, whether it happens naturally or using an alarm. But, right. oh, no, I accidentally stayed up until 12.30 a.m. Right. So now should I push my wake-up <laughs> time or should I just go with my natural wake-up time? So here's what I would tell you is you should keep your wake-up time. Because if you throw your circadian rhythm off, that's when trouble begins. It turns out that there are four general circadian rhythms that most people's bodies fall into. And circadian rhythm, for folks out there who might not know what that means, this is your genetic propensity for sleep time. Now, some people might be early birds, some people might be night owls, some people might be in between. There's four different ones, and I've named them as different animals that actually have the same, what we call chronotype or sleep schedule in their animal world as we have in our human world. Let's go over those four chronotypes. So the first one is called a lion. That's who you are. So my lions make up about 15% of the population, and they have a tendency to be my COOs. These are my operators. They like to create a list every morning and go from A to B to C to D. They like to wake up around 5.30 in the morning and get it done. But it's not all, you know, giggles and grins to be a lion. A lot of people say they wish they were a lion or have what I call lion envy. A lot of these folks, they're done by eight o'clock at night. Being a bear is makes up about 50% of the population. And you know, the world runs on bear time. Mm-hmm. So these are my solar sleepers. They have a tendency to be extroverted. These people 
really are kind of the glue that keeps society together. They have a tendency to go to bed around 10, 30, 11, have a tendency to wake up around 7, 7, 30. And everything kind of runs very smoothly for them, generally speaking, if they're able to get you know good sleep. Mm-hmm. Then comes the late nighters or the wolves. I happen to be a wolf. My wolves are my introverted people. These are my very creative folks. These are the entrepreneurs who start companies, and then my lions are the ones who usually run the company. Mm. These are my actors and my authors and my musicians and people like that. We take a little while to trust a person, but once we trust them, we're some of the most loyal friends ever. Mm-hmm. And then the final chronotype are called dolphins. And so most people don't know this, but dolphins sleep what we call unihemispherically. So half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators. And I thought that was a unique representation of my people with insomnia. My dolphins have a tendency to be my problem children. These are the folks that have had historically been a type A personality, like my lions, except they're just a little bit neurotic, and it has a tendency to have them obsess about details, and they don't get the productivity that they're usually looking for. They also don't sleep particularly well, so a lot of times they can be a little more on the emotional side, a little bit more on the agitated side. But once you know your chronotype, then there's a lot of things that can happen, because once you know your chronotype, then your hormones will go up and down in a very predictable fashion. And of course, we know sleep affects every organ system, every disease state. Sleep really affects almost every aspect of your life. Almost nobody is deficient in melatonin. Really? Correct. You, so that's you just can, something we're passing around to each other because everyone yes. says, oh, maybe you need a melatonin supplement. That's right. And so here's the thing. I will tell you this, melatonin deficiency does come into play around age 50, Mm -hmm. 55, Mm -hmm. which is also the same time that your naturally chronotypes have a tendency to shift. There's a couple of reasons behind that, but at the end of the day, I do recommend melatonin supplementation for people who are in that 50 age range and up. Okay. Also, I recommend melatonin for jet lag where mm. you know your body is in one time zone, but your brain is stuck in another one. Okay. Remember, that's exactly what melatonin is designed to do, is to designed to rejigger your circadian system. Also, even on a Sunday night, because here's what happens, is you stay up late Friday, sleep in on Saturday, stay up late Saturday, sleep in on Sunday. Well, guess what? After doing that for just one or two nights, you've shifted your circadian rhythm pretty significantly to the point where- That quickly, uh, just in a couple yep. of days' time. Literally two days of more than a half an hour's time difference from your wake-up time, and you will have what we call social jet lag. Wow. Let's talk about magnesium. Please. Magnesium is awesome. Oh, I love it. I'm so relieved. I take it every night. Okay. Now, here's a couple of hints for people. Okay. So number one, if you're going to take it in a pill form, mm-hmm. then it's best to take it in conjunction with calcium because when those two enter the system, they work off of each other and help with absorption. Calcium so, in what? In also a supplement form? Yeah, yeah. You can do it that way. Now, that's if you're taking it in a pill form okay. that you swallow. That's if, however, doing. you're taking it as a liquid or as a tincture that mm-hmm. you would put under your tongue, mm-hmm. you don't need the calcium because it's absorbed almost immediately into the bloodstream and starts to work right away. In terms of magnesium, what is the appropriate dosage if someone were to be... Taking it in pill form? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're looking at probably somewhere between 250 and 300 milligrams. And do you think that everyone needs that or should they be, you know, figure out for themselves if they're deficient? Yeah, yeah, it's really surprising, but the data would suggest that a large percentage of the U.S. population is deficient in magnesium. 
because we don't eat enough dark leafy vegetables, which mm-hmm. is where we find a lot of our magnesium. Yeah. And so I would tell you that almost anybody out there could use a little magnesium. Wow. So I would disagree with take naps whenever you can. If mm-hmm. you have insomnia, you should not be napping. Mm. That is not good because there's data to show that the last time that you were asleep directly affects your ability to fall asleep. And so a lot of times I'm telling people stay away from napping if you can. Now, if you are an executive or a new mom or something like that and your sleep has been restricted, not by your own doing, but by some other factor like a baby, then Get sleep when you can, because otherwise you're just going to be exhausted and try as best you can to keep some form of a regular schedule. Next up is my friend, Sean Stevenson. You've heard Sean's wife on the show before, and you've also heard Sean on the show many times before because he's just a wealth of very sound scientific knowledge. He is the creator, the host of the show called The Model Health Show, and it's a podcast, but It's almost not even fair to call his show a podcast compared to some of the shows out there that are in the same category as, quote, podcast. His podcast is really a masterclass. It's a masterclass in a lot of really interesting, cool science, the kind of things that impact your day-to-day life. He's been doing a lot lately on COVID, on the science behind wearing masks. And I think Sean probably broke through Sheehan's wall, which means it's just kind of like a term You've heard used here on the show before by Rory Vaden. It's that term to describe that moment when you like people are know you for something. And people really came to know Sean for being the sleep guy. In fact, he wrote a book called Sleep Smarter that it completely changed the way I get sleep because I'm not one of those people that can get a lot of sleep. So I had to figure out, okay, if I can't get as much sleep as the average person, how do I make sure that my sleep is smarter? How do I make sure that my sleep is better? And this is a snippet of an interview I did way back with Sean, but everything that we talk about in this episode has never been more important for you to to listen to, to create that reset. So sleep has been this really interesting phenomenon recently where we're having issues with it, where our genes just expect us to do this thing. And today in our society, we're really taught, like, if you're not hustling, if you're not doing 27 things... And while having the kids and dropping everybody, like if you're not just overwhelmed, you're not showing up, you know, you're not doing the best that you can. And so having that type of paradigm that we're living in to value something that you actually don't do anything, it doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. And so that's really where it starts. And digging deeper, you know, just digging into the research, you start to find out that all the stuff that you're actually doing is not effective. You know, there's a difference between doing things and being effective. Yeah. You're losing so much of your- I mean, all of the things that we keep ourselves awake. Yeah. All the things we're like, well, I need to get this project done, so I'll sacrifice. The public at large doesn't even know why sleep matters. And that's another thing. It's just that disconnection. Because if you've got 10 things to do and sleep is one of them, we'll just ixnay the sleep. Can I challenge you on that? Because I think that people do know why they need sleep. It's a fringe level. It's very- outer level. It's not Mm. that deep visceral, like I gotta have my sleep, Okay, you know, because it's like, I know I'll feel better. I know, you know, that kind of thing. So when you're sleep deprived, you're going to get a reduction of about 6% of glucose reaching your brain. Okay. So what does this mean? mean, You can't make decisions is what it means. And here's what was so crazy is that 12 to 14% of that was from your prefrontal cortex. So this is the more human part of your brain. So that part of your brain basically starts to starve. Translation, you get dumber. 
right? Mm-hmm. So this is the part of your brain responsible for decision-making, for distinguishing between right and wrong, for social control, for your so-called willpower. Timing your sleep is like timing an investment, right? If you invest a lot at the wrong time, you're going to get pain. If you invest just even a little bit at the right time, you can get some big rewards. Okay. All right. So this money time window is from the hours of 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. According to the research, if you get sleep during that window, you're going to get a greater secretion of human growth hormone. Your melatonin is naturally going to be higher, which melatonin is the get good sleep hormone. It helps to regulate your sleep cycles. It doesn't make you sleepy or put you to sleep per se. It makes sure that you get good sleep quality, not quantity. It's really about the quality of the sleep. Yes. And so melatonin is going to ensure that you get really great quality sleep, but it's in that window that it's going to be at its peak. All right. So that's the money time window. But here I want to give people a tip with exercise to help you sleep better. Okay. Right? So Appalachian State did this really cool study and they took exercises and broke them up into three groups. Okay. Group A exercise at 7 a.m. Group B exercise at 1 p.m. And group C exercise at 7 p.m. at night. They found that the morning exercisers who exercise at 7 a.m. spent up to 75% more time in deep sleep when they did go to sleep. All right. So right there Hello. is telling you, yeah. yeah, you can get more quality sleep. And I this is the headline right here. Yeah. So great sleep, a great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. Okay. A great night of sleep starts the moment that you wake up in the morning. So getting up and doing some activities does not mean you have to hit the gym. You don't have to even do anything extreme. If you like for, I did an experiment last year where I trained in the afternoon. I've been a morning exerciser for mm-hmm. evers, mm-hmm. All right. But this last year I, did, I worked out in the afternoon and it was because of the benefits with testosterone, the benefits with strength gains, your reflexes. And I saw all of those things for sure in working out in the afternoon, but I still did something in the morning. All right. And so this could be a four minute Tabata. This could be a power walk. Oh, interesting. This could be, I have a mini rebounder, you know, the little mm-hmm. mini trampoline. Sure, yeah, I love those. Five, 10 minutes on there, listen to a podcast. You know, just get that in in the morning and it's going to help to set the tone. And here's how it works. What's happening is we have something called a cortisol rhythm. All right, a cortisol rhythm. Our natural cortisol rhythm should be, cortisol should be elevated in the morning right around six to eight o'clock. And then it should gradually decline through the day and bottom out in the evening. We'll say around six, eight in the evening to set you up for great sleep. And cortisol ah. and melatonin have an inverse relationship. So that means if cortisol's up, melatonin's down. If melatonin's up, cortisol is down, all right? So by doing that exercise in the morning, you're helping to kickstart your natural cortisol rhythm, all right? Because for a lot of people, clinically, we call them tired and wired, all right? Mm. So their cortisol's elevated at night, which, you know, a lot of people experience that where they're just up, like mm-hmm. they're yawning mm-hmm. at six, seven o'clock and at night and they're like, I'm gonna get to bed early. But then they just kind of kick on. And then they're super tired in the morning when they wake up, even if they get eight hours of sleep because their cortisol is too low. I see. So that can kind of help to reset and put that cortisol rhythm on track. That's how it works. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, speaking of that reset, do you need a reset right now? I know I needed one. I needed one big time. I had bad habits that Sean helped me turn into good habits. And then like anything, if you don't stay on top of it or if there's like a big change in your life, you slip back into old ways. I had done that. Maybe you've done that because of everything that's going on, the change in your schedule, kids being home, quarantine, a change in the way that you work, a change in the way that kids are being schooled. If you've allowed some bad habits to interrupt your good sleep habits, let me share with you what I've done to improve mine. Now, this is a minute by minute almost breakdown of my evening into bedtime. And 
Yours is going to be a little different depending on what season you're in, kids, etc. But I think by sharing mine, it'll give you some inspiration to create your own. And the key takeaway here is health, your success, making life easier for yourself is all about habits. We're going to take just a momentary break so that I can share with you one of my favorite products, especially because we're coming up on the fall. You've heard me talk before about a product called Organifi Gold. It's this hot chocolate flavored, you know, low sugar, super healthy beverage that I like to have in the evening. It's a warm beverage. Well, for the fall, they've come out with a limited edition pumpkin spice. I just got it. It's delicious. It's creamy. It's a super food tea filled with medicinal mushrooms and herbs, and it really does help to induce sleep. So it's the perfect thing for you to try if that's what you're struggling with. It is 100% USDA certified organic with less than one gram of sugar per cup. I don't know if you're following me on social media, but this has been my go-to in the evenings. It does help me fall asleep faster. I sleep deeper and it makes a big difference. You wake up without feeling any drowsiness, obviously, because it's completely herbal. It has nine superfoods. It contains lemon balm, reishi mushroom, turmeric, ginger, Oh my gosh. And quite a few other very delicious ingredients. And don't worry about the fact that I just said mushroom. It doesn't taste like mushroom. It literally tastes kind of like a chocolatey, earthy pumpkin spice. It's delicious. I add a little bit of cocoa whip on top and then I put a little sprinkle of Himalayan sea salt. And if I'm really feeling crazy, I add a little bit of cocoa whip. I told you it's my nighttime treat. You can try Organifi today because you're a lifer and receive 15% off by going to Organifi.com forward slash Shaleen. And then you want to use the code Shaleen. That gives you the 15% off everything. All right, guys, let me spell Organifi for you. It's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Got it? O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Organifi.com. Back to the show. I know this is true for both men and women. But I feel like, especially for the ladies, we really try to function with very little sleep. And we think, oh, well, you know, I can get Botox or I'll just put on some under eye concealer. What choice do I have? Well, in this episode, I'm just going to share with you exactly what I did. My nighttime routine looked like kind of getting the kids to sleep, whatever time I could do that by. And then maybe doing a little bit to prepare myself for the next day, like maybe like, okay, where's the kid's homework? Like, let's set that out by the door. Let's get backpacks. Let's, I don't know, like maybe do some quick laundry. Like, And then mainly I would just do all the things that I didn't get a chance to do while the kids were awake. And then I would put the kids to bed and then I would do those things like a maniac. And then I'd be like, oh my gosh, there's so much work that I couldn't do because there was so much going on during the day. So I would sit down at my computer and I would work for a couple of hours be stimulated. Sometimes I would also use my phone, but usually I was using like my laptop and I would work until I realized like, okay, girl, you need to go to bed. Then what I would do to kind of unwind is try to do something mindless, like watching TV. Well, first I would enjoy some time with my husband. Like that's, you know, hello, we've been married for 25 years. That's one of the secrets to our success. If you know what I'm saying? Like even when I was like really tired, Even if he had gone up to bed before me, I would like wake him up and you know what I mean? And that's not a good thing. Like you should be going to bed at the same time together. I'm telling you, the more in sync you can get with your partner, including in sync with their bedtime and bed routine, the closer 
you're going to become. Just letting your partner go off to bed and then you staying up and doing your own thing, like that just, you don't realize it, but it creates distance. It creates a message for your children. It's not a good thing. If you can avoid it, of course you can. Of course you can avoid it. So try to do a better job if you can of trying to go to bed at the same time. This might mean both of you creating some compromise. And anyway, so that's what we did. And then after whatever, after watching some TV, etc., then now it's like, I don't know, like 11 o'clock or midnight sometimes. And then I might be like, huh, there's a lot of things I'm thinking I need to get off my brain right now. So let me just grab my phone and I'll add to my to-do list on my phone. And huh, let me see what else. Okay, so I'm still kind of awake. So I would do other things on my phone. Now, the thing is, in my mind, I was in bed by 10 or 10.30, but I wasn't going to sleep. But I could tell myself that lie, like when people would say, what time do you go to bed to wake up every day to teach a 5.30 a.m. class, which meant I had to wake up at like 4.45. What time do you go to bed at night? And I would say, oh, I go to bed at 10, 10.30, which was true. I was in the bed, but I certainly wasn't going to sleep. So it's what time are you falling asleep? I would sometimes even get back up out of bed and go work on my laptop because I wanted to connect with my husband, right? Like I wanted to have him fall asleep next to me. And then I would feel like, gosh, I'm so overwhelmed by everything I have to do tomorrow. I'm going to get up and work a little bit more on my laptop. And the next thing you know, it's like 12.30, 1 a.m. And I'm trying to get myself to go to sleep. But I'm, I'm having such a hard time now falling asleep because I would think to myself like, oh my God, you really messed up. You need to go to sleep earlier tomorrow. Shalene Johnson, what are you doing? Like go to sleep. Why can't I fall asleep? Why can't I shut my brain off? Why is my brain thinking about all these things? Go to sleep. Oh no, now you're only going to get three hours of sleep. Oh no, now it's only two hours and 45 minutes. And I, you start doing that countdown. And then you're just like, should I even sleep or should I just like wake up? You know what I could do? I'm not going to get any sleep tonight anyways. I should just get up out of bed and I should just go clean the kitchen. That's what I should do. I should just like get ahead. And then that way tomorrow I'll be able to go to sleep much earlier. So there were literally nights where I was so poor about this negative loop that I would literally just get up and go, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, screw it. I'm only going to get two hours of sleep. I'm going to even be more tired. I might as well just not sleep. And then you know what I'll do? I'll go teach that class and I'll come home and I will nap. Yes. I'm going to take like a four or five hour nap tomorrow. And I think you probably can guess how often that happened. Approximately 0.0 times. I never did that. And that's how I lived my life for, gosh, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years, a long time, a long time, way too long. Then I had my brain scan and that's when it was brought to my attention that all of the sleep deprivation that I had subjected myself to, and I had made all of the excuses why I couldn't sleep, why there was too much to do. But the fact of the matter is I had not prioritized it. Rather than taking care of my sleep and understanding that that was the most important component of my health, I made excuses. I would say things like, well, I'm most creative at night. I can't help it. My brain won't shut down. That's when I have my best ideas. That's when I you know, need to be alone and process things. That's when I can be my best because everyone's asleep and the house is quiet. So I made all of these excuses and reasons why I was doing what I did. And 
I guess subconsciously, I believed that because I'd had a certain amount of success in my career, that it was, I could attribute it to the way I had organized my day. So in my mind, it was like, well, okay, you know, if I change this, maybe I won't be as productive. And if I'm not as productive, might I be less successful? But when I got that diagnosis from Dr. Amen, it was like, oh, okay, well, here's a slap in the face. It was in that moment on that day. And if you've listened to my episodes prior to this, you know, like that day, the moment I looked at my own brain scan and I was faced with the reality of what I had done to myself, I couldn't lie to myself or anyone else for that matter. I had done the damage to my brain and my family was going to pay the price. And I had no choice but to fix that. So now I've described to you what my routine was like prior. And I wonder if some of those things sound familiar to you. Now let me tell you what my routine looks like. And I have to start by saying I had to change all of my triggers. I had to change my schedule. I had to change my mindset around all of this. And I had to focus on my family. I had to think about like really, truly, what is most important here? Aside from just my health, like I've got to get on the same rhythm as them. I was on a completely different rhythm from them. Even though I was up with the kids first thing in the morning, and I think that's really important because I know a lot of moms and dads, you stay up really, really late and then you think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to stay up really late and work. Then it's just your wife that is with the kids in the morning and, and you're not connecting with any of them. You're on a completely different circadian rhythm. And can you survive that way? Yeah, but it's not ideal. And there are certainly times where you don't have a choice, but if you do have a choice, like get your act together, get on the same circadian rhythm as your family, hashtag duh, right? Don't be selfish about this. I was being selfish about this. So I can say that to you. Once I realized how important they were, I just knew, okay, do whatever it takes. Like that's kind of my motto. When I think about things that are a priority to me, I can't just say that it's a priority to me and then make excuses. I have to do whatever it takes. When I was living my life that way, I was always tired yet wired. And because of that, I never admitted to myself that I was truly sleep deprived. I thought somehow I was made differently than other people, but I woke up every single day behind the eight ball. I woke up every day feeling tired, groggy, mentally confused, and completely disorganized. And I always felt like I was like running, 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 trying to catch up. And I always kept waiting for the sun to go down so that I would have time to catch up on everything. It's a horrible way to be. Let me share with you now my new nighttime routine. So it starts like this. Every night, what I had to do was to I had to reorganize everything. That meant I needed to put myself in kind of a sleepier state hours before my bedtime. I started using an app, and I don't know if it's the best app. It's just what I use, and I'm sure there's better ones out there, but the one that I use and still use to this day is called Relax Melodies. P.S. I know there's probably better ones out there. I just say that because this one's like really robust, and every time they update the app, I'm super confused. And then it takes me a while to figure it out. But nonetheless, it's the one that I use. It's called Relax Melodies. What I do like about it is it includes bedtime meditations. It includes relaxing 
music. It includes special mixes that you can make that sound like the ocean or the waves, etc. So I can play that sound machine at night. I also love that you can program into it a daily reminder that is sent to your phone as a notification that reminds you to start getting ready for bed. So my notification comes in at 8.30 p.m. So at 8.30 p.m., I get a reminder that no matter what I'm doing to start my bedtime routine, and I do. So I put my phone aside and or I will put on a meditation or something that's very relaxing to listen to. It might even be a podcast, but something that's really relaxing. I put my earbuds in and then I do this. Are you ready? Like this is all my nighttime routine. I start by creating everything that I need for the very next day. So I first fill three water bottles. They're the water bottles that I created for everybody else who needs this habit. You could certainly use your own water bottles if you want to. I just take three 25-ounce bottles of water. You can buy my system if you want, but you go to 131H2O.com. And not only do you get the three water bottles, but you also get this really cool backpack that I created that holds the water bottles in their own little snug little seat belted. I don't know how else you could describe it. Like their own little pockets inside the backpack. I do that the night before. I set out my supplements that I'm going to take in the morning, right? Like my vitamin D. I won't go into all the supplements I take, but I I just, I lay out all of my supplements so I don't forget those. And I put those on the kitchen counter. I prepare my coffee. I set the programmer on my coffee machine so that coffee's ready by the time I wake up. I also pre-make my little cup. So I take a cup and I fill it with my MCT oil and a little bit of coffee creamer and some stevia and I put it in the fridge. So like literally that's ready to go. I get the dog's food for the next morning ready to go. I set out my workout clothes for the next morning. I pick them out the night before. Everything, socks, shoes, pants, top, my cover-up. I also set out my contacts. I set out my makeup. I set out my lashes. I select what it is I'm going to listen to the next morning when I wake up as I'm getting ready because that's my time for personal development. Usually I'll pick an audio lesson from some course that I'm going through or maybe an audible book or maybe even a podcast. I hope that yours is The Shaleen Show. If if you're an MIA, a Marketing Impact Academy student, I hope that it's a, a Marketing Impact Academy lesson. You should be doing one of those, why not, at least a couple times a week. Okay, not only that, I also use this time to select or pick out what I'm going to wear later in the day after my workout. I take my planner, which is a Smart Life Push Journal, and I write out what my schedule looks like for the next day. Okay, that really, really helps me. That helps me go to sleep. Also in my Smart Life Push Journal, there's a little place on every day where you can just write general notes, like just any random thing that's in your head. I get all of that ish out of my head before I go to bed. Get it out of your head before you go to bed. And so I just write it down. I don't try to solve it. I just write it down. And the sheer act of writing it down puts it in your subconscious. And half the time, by the time I wake up, I've already, it's weird. Like these things, I already have like quick solutions for them first thing when I wake up in the morning. In addition, I prepare my first meal for the next day. Usually, I mean, I don't do this every single day, but most days I'm going to prepare whatever it is I'm going to have for breakfast right? Sometimes, or for lunch. 
depends on whether I'm practicing intermittent fasting or not. But even if I am doing intermittent fasting, a lot of times I'll just prepare my lunch. You know what this does? It allows me to start feeling calm before I go to bed and feeling confident, not overwhelmed. It's crazy what this has done for me. I just feel so much more relaxed because I know, oh my gosh, my entire day is all laid out for me right now and it's not even 9.30. All of this takes me less than an hour and I sometimes will do this with Brett downstairs in the kitchen with me and he's like watching a show or it's kind of like on in the background so it's kind of like we're watching a show together or sometimes I'll be listening to like a, a meditation but if he's there, I don't want to ignore him so we'll kind of like watch a show in the background while I'm, I'm doing all these things and it just creates a routine for me that begins to induce melatonin. Like melatonin is a hormone that your body produces that tells you, okay, it's time to get in sleepy mode. But this whole process takes me less than an hour and I do it pretty leisurely. All of that takes less than an hour. Now, if I were to do it the next day, first of all, I wouldn't get proper sleep knowing just in my head, like, oh, I don't want to forget this and I don't want to forget that. What am I going to wear tomorrow? Like I used to lay in bed and try to, even though I was trying to fall asleep, my brain was also trying to make sure I didn't forget any of these things. Now I do them all the night before and I wake up feeling so calm. But more importantly, I go to sleep feeling so much more rested. That allows me to start heading upstairs by like 9.30, 10 o'clock at the latest. Now it is my goal to be in bed by 9.30 or 10. And that gives Brett and I some time to like talk in bed and really relax and, you know, do other things. It's really improved that area of our life as well. It's just because we're even more connected. And he's always been someone who wanted to go to sleep early. I mean, he usually would, even if it was me going upstairs to wake him up later. Like, or even if I did go to sleep with him, I would then as I told you, get up out of bed and do stuff later. And now we're not doing that. Like we're really so much more in sync in that way is it's so much more important. But it it did take a process. So it meant I had to give him permission. And I, I told him things like, okay, no matter what, you have to like drag me upstairs by my hair if you have to. Like I need to be upstairs by 930. Do not let me do this. Do not let me do that. You know, or just get me up off the couch or, you know, get me off my computer. If I haven't started doing my nighttime routine by 8.30. I need to start doing that because I'm signaling to my brain, it's time to get sleepy. And so I really try to avoid anything that's stimulating. I stop looking at social media. Do I ever break that rule? Sure, but I try not to. And that has been hard. I've had to force myself like, okay, don't. I close those apps and I tell myself not to look at them. And in the beginning, I had to put my phone on airplane mode to make this happen because it's so habitual just checking your social media. But as I kept practicing this and feeling better and better and better, the more you tap into how good you feel with something, the more that reward and the way that you acknowledge it the more likely that reward is going to be the incentive for you to turn this into a habit. So I just don't check my social media anymore. At first, I just I put my phone on airplane mode or I would set it in the other room and I wouldn't do anything with it. Now it's just, I don't even need to look at it. And I stop myself. I just don't do it. I know many of you have 
gotten in the habit of plugging your phone into another room, that's great. I can't do that. I am too worried as a mom that something's going to happen in the middle of the night and I need my phone near me for that reason. But I do have it on do not disturb. And my kids know that if there's an emergency, you call twice and then that is an override to the do not disturb. But I put my phone on do not disturb and I don't look at any of my apps. Like I'm done with my phone by 8.30 most of the nights. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say like, oh, I never look at my phone. I mean, you know, hello, I'm not perfect, but I would say 80% of the time I'm not on my phone and y'all, you bust me when I am like, there's times where I'm like, whatever, for whatever reason, we're up late. It's one of those nights and we don't have to get up early the next morning. And if I reply to somebody on on Instagram, like at 11 o'clock at night, they're like, what are you doing up? I'm like, mind your own business. It's funny. You guys really do keep me on my toes. But it has made a huge difference. Okay, now let's talk to those of you who are moms because you're like, okay, how does this work for me if I'm a mom? Ladies, if you have babies, oh, God bless you. But all bets are off. Like, it's just not the same. And then to put pressure on yourself to get perfect sleep, it's just not realistic. I'm sure that God has, I mean, there haven't been any studies on this to my knowledge, but I'm sure that God has designed us in such a way that there's this chunk of time when we're raising small humans that you get a pass. Because as much as you want to make sleep a priority in your life, yeah, that nursing six-month-old has different plans. Like they're living off of you. They're sustaining life off of you. And you just sleep so lightly when you're you can hear the baby on the monitor and you've got a four-year-old who's wandering into your bedroom at 3 a.m. and and you're potty training and and night terrors and like all these things. Like it was so hard to sleep and get good sleep when you are a mom. So I just want to say I love you and you're not going to believe me right now because you're in the thick of it. But girl, there's going to come a day where you're going to be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I just got the best sleep. It's going to happen. I promise. It also really helps to have a great bed. You know, I've talked about sleep number on this podcast a lot. This isn't an ad for sleep number, but I I swear by that bed. I'm telling you, I sleep like a freaking baby because of that. But moms, it is so important for you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is so key because remember, I started making these changes when my kids were still at home and, you know, in school. So depending on the age of your kids, the earlier you start this, the better. Now, my friend Monica, who has triplets, you know, Monica, crazy Monica with the triplets. She started doing these things with her triplets out of necessity because Lord knows having triplets, you have to be so organized and things have got to run like clockwork or you're, you're going to drive yourself crazy. I mean, I remember at, gosh, when her kids were like three and four years old, she would involve them in this process and have them get themselves ready for bed, have them know exactly what they were going to do in the morning. Moms, this part is for you. And the earlier you start this, the better, because you trying to be super mom and like do all of these things for your kids is you're not going to do them any favors. You're going to create children who lack confidence and who are lacking in self-sufficiency because mom has always done it for them. Stop picking out their clothes. The moment your kids are old enough to know that they need a shirt and a pair of pants, which is probably around three, you need to let them 
pick those out. Like teach them these evening routines, teach them these habits early. Why would you wait until they're in high school to teach these things at night? Okay, guys, it's get ready for bed, which isn't just brush my teeth and go get my pajamas on or take a bath. Teach your children to pick out their clothes for the next day. And P.S., let them wear, this is my opinion, all right? And I've raised two, I don't know if that makes me an expert, but I gotta tell you, we let our kids, they picked out their clothes the night before and we told them they could wear whatever they wanted, whatever they wanted. You should have seen the things that Sierra wore to school. Holy cow, OMG, I mean, so funny. And that was part of what helped her to become an individual. Brock too, we just let them wear whatever they wanted. If they wanted to wear pajamas to school, so be it. Now, of course, I would explain to them what consequences they might have to endure. Like, you know, if you wear that, you might get teased today. But if that's your choice, that's your choice. Make it your kid's responsibility to get their backpacks loaded up with everything they need for the next day. You can double check and make sure everything's in there. But that's their responsibility. Stop doing their homework. Are you kidding me right now? We can't even be friends. I refuse to allow you to do your kid's homework. girl. Or dad, knock that off. That is ridiculous. You are doing that for your own ego because you want to be viewed as a conscientious parent who has kids who gets great, great. No, that is their responsibility. What are you going to do? Go to work with them when they're like 22 years old and do their work for them at the job? No, no. If they don't do their work and they get a D, they get a D and they have to deal with it. Stop doing their homework. Stop doing their science project. We can tell anyways when you have to like back in a flatbed truck with some gigantic volcano that looks like it was made on a back lot of Disney. We know your kid didn't make that. Your kid can't even tie his shoes. You made that, dad. Like, come on now. Stop doing your kid's work. Stop making their beds. Stop picking out their clothes. Start teaching them how to be self-sufficient adults. Teach them how to be self-sufficient young humans. They will be more confident than their counterparts. They'll have more respect for you and more respect for themselves. Teach them what they have to do the night before. Say, I want you to pretend right now that we have to walk out the door for school in a few hours. So get everything ready. And you teach them everything, like a checklist, create a checklist for them. And then when you start getting your bedtime routine down, and they know that that starts at whatever time you set that for, they will do the same. And we keep energy low and we set a new tone and we talk to them about why this is going to help them. Rather than telling your kids like what to do, help them to understand how this benefits them. When our kids were little, we didn't tell them, hey, you, ha- you have to go clean your room. But what we would say is when you make your bed and when you keep your room neat, don't you notice how good your brain feels? Can't you tell like how much more organized you feel? Like how good does it feel when you walk in your room and it's your bed's made and your closet is organized? Doesn't that feel good? And that would empower our kids to do that. You can do the same. Your bedtime routine is one of the most important things you can teach your children in order to have your very most productive, well-rested, healthy day. You need to start the night before. It's doable and you can do it too. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon.